Hello, this is Tommy Franks. Welcome to the Four Star Leadership Podcast, a product of the General Tommy Franks Leadership Institute and Museum. We're here to get a view into the lives of the legacy makers, the movers and the shakers of today, to offer insights from the full spectrum of the leadership community. We'll talk to former four-star students and explore their leadership development path. We'll work to find out what they are about today and learn from the opportunities they've made for themselves in this world. It's my distinct pleasure to welcome you to this podcast. Remember, leaders are not born, they're developed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Core Principles of Leadership with General Tommy Franks. I'm your host, Delise Travis. We're on episode number 20 with our guest, four-star alumni, Riley Juniman. We'll be talking about connecting life experiences, sharing your why, and sharing your life experience. But before we get into that, let's have a word from our major sponsor, REI Oklahoma. REI Oklahoma is proud to be a part of the General Tommy Franks Leadership Institute and the production and distribution of these podcasts designed to inspire leaders and difference makers. At REI Oklahoma, we have been working with small business leaders, entrepreneurs, and people who are driven to succeed for years. Highly motivated people working to own their own businesses, live in their own homes, and make the world a better place. Since its beginning, REI Oklahoma has continued to identify hurdles and deliver holistic solutions to create job growth and help neighborhoods thrive in both rural and urban communities. REI Oklahoma looks forward to visiting with you about helping your business and community grow. Visit reiok.org or call 800-658-2823 to start the conversation. The Labar family is a fourth-generation Oklahoma family. That may not sound like a long time, but our grandfathers were born here, within the Comanche Nation, before the land runs. We are the proudest sponsor of the Tommy Franks Four-Star Leadership Podcast. We hope listeners will heed the words of these distinguished men and women who have served our country at the highest levels and across all walks of life. And now we join our guest, Riley Juniman. Four-star leadership 2016 alum and alumni advisory board member Riley Juniman is from Firestone, Colorado, but currently resides in California, where she's pursuing a computational and mathematical engineering PhD at Stanford University. With this advanced degree, she hopes to contribute to research and development efforts in biotechnology. Outside of academics, Riley enjoys playing jazz and classical guitar and mentoring other students. So, Riley, uh, we are with Riley Juniman, and she has taken time out of her busy schedule to visit with us. Good, good morning, Riley. Good morning, Delise. How are you? I'm I'm good. You know, just finished a stressful exam a couple of days ago, so I'm definitely doing a lot better now. <laughs> oh, good. That's always probably a great feeling to have some of those things behind you. Yeah, that's yes. a tough one. Um, I would like to start out by, of course, we've just uh, reviewed your bio, and you are a 2016 four-star leadership with General Tommy Frank's alumni, 
And you, um, that was six years ago, and that was my first year at Four Star, and you really stood out. You were a real rock star with our group, and, and we were so excited to watch you, the questions that you had for our speakers and, and how you grew during that time and, and all the things that you've done since then. But I would like to start out um, from the very beginning. You're from Firestone, Colorado. Can you tell us about kind of your whole beginning, your family, and uh, what you did before you got to Four Star? Yeah. Firestone, Colorado is, well, it used to be a lot smaller town. It's definitely grown a lot, as most um, towns in Colorado have in the past few years. Um, it was a fantastic place to grow up, uh, very community oriented. Um, it's the type of town where you would go to the grocery store, you know, with your parents when you were in middle school and then you would run into all your elementary school teachers and you would end up spending an extra 30 minutes at the grocery store, just like visiting with people you ran into. Right. Um, so yeah, great place to grow up. Um, I went to a high school that was I'm eight minutes down the road and there were like four or five stoplights between my house and the high school. Um, my graduating class was only like 200 people. Um, so definitely on the smaller side, I think the school's a little bit bigger now. Um, but a very like community centric, um, group of towns. There's Firestone, um, Frederick and Decono and they kind of all form this tri-town area, uh, feed into the same high school, host some small festivals. There's a chainsaw carving festival every year. That one was always my favorite. Um, that that sounds pretty interesting. And I, I have a question that I'm going to ask a little bit later about knowing everyone in your community. Um, did you do any kind of leadership programs or any kind of program similar or like that before you came to four star and how did you find four star yeah i wouldn't say that i had gone to like formal week-long leadership programs before four star i went to a couple after um which <laughs> it's very hard to compete with four star right so after you've gone to four star um and had that experience the other programs were just as good but it, they don't quite stand out as much in my mind um, but before I went to Four Star, I had been involved in leadership, um, sort of like at my high school. Um, in particular, one of my favorite leadership activities in high school was Key Club, uh, which is like the high school version of Kiwanis. Um, and one of my favorite, I guess, memories and like legacies that I left in high school was really um, sort of joining Key Club kind of haphazardly, um, but also like really taking on a leadership role in Key Club, um, more so after Four Star, and really like growing our club and making it like have a solid presence in our school, having more like service impact and like fundraising impact. Um, and so it still makes me happy to see things pop up on the Frederick High School Key Club Instagram from time to time. Because you knew you had an influence and that influence came from Four Star. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. I'm so excited to hear that. So <clears throat> how did you find Four Star? Was it a counselor? Was it a teacher? Or did you I, find it? I actually, um, so starting about my junior year of high school, um, my parents and I were talking a lot about college, and I really wanted to go out of state. 
for college um, and part of going out of state college is coming up with money to pay for college out of state. Um, and so I spent a lot of hours on different like scholarship websites, just looking at like different opportunities, applying for things. Um, some things I got, some things I didn't. And four star I actually had found through one of those sort of <laughs> scholarship websites. The scholarship um, search. Yeah. yeah. And at first I, uh, I laugh about this now, but it, the first time I read it, I thought it sounded too good to be true. I sent it to my mom and I was like, do you think this is legit? <laughs> Yeah, I know. People like it's free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's totally free. You just have to, uh, you just have to apply and and uh, be approved through the program, and and you have to be a student that's out there wanting to make a difference, and that reflects on your application. So um, good for you. I'm so <laughs> proud. So. Um, about your community and knowing everyone, you did something that um, was really unusual that really supported Four Star is that before you came to Four Star, you started a Facebook group trying to find other students who were going to Four Star because you said, I was going to go to this program and there were going to be 70 students from all of the United States and several other countries. And I didn't know any of them. And I wanted to meet these other students so I would have friends when I got there. <laughs> so I think I kind of wonder if that comes from your your smaller community um, that, you know, knowing everyone. And so do you want to tell us about that? Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I get like, especially before four star, I remember being like very nervous about, you know, flying across the country by myself for the first time. And I traveled without my parents before, but in like a large group setting. Um, so navigating like the airport and everything by myself, even though I had been through it like lots of times with my parents was also like kind of a scary experience. Um, so I was like super nervous about like, you know, traveling across the country by myself and not knowing anybody. And one of the things that I think I've done throughout my life is when I get like kind of nervous or scared or like stressed, I feel like the best thing to do is to do something about it. Um, and so my solution to doing something about it was to create this Facebook group. And I think I got the idea, um, because I had like someone else had commented on the like Facebook post announcing like who was going, like, oh, I'm so excited to go or something. And I was like, oh man, I really like need to get in touch with these people. Um, so it was a really cool community, like to know people and to be excited to meet people in person once I got there. And it's always fun, like meeting people online and then meeting them in person. And then, you know, thinking about how your like preconceptions of these people compare to like actually meeting them in person. Right. And then I know you have followed that Facebook group um, after your year at Four Star and you, the students have mentored each other. I remember seeing a post where um, one of the other students said, um, um, I'm looking for another program. Has anybody been to anything they would recommend? And I saw you commented and said, uh, well, I've been to this other program, but nothing compares to four stars. So I was like, yay, <laughs> that was so awesome. Okay. So um, then you went on to once you got into college, then you also created a LinkedIn for the four-star alumni. <laughs> and I was really proud of that too. So that's something we really want to continue and um, to increase awareness and 
and to help the students to mentor each other because I think that's one of the important um, components of four star is that the students that attend there are basically on a different level than their average uh, student that they go to school with. And so these students um, can really support and mentor each other and help each other out of, you know, decision-making and opportunities and, and their own personal experiences. So I, I think uh, it's really important. So thank you for that. And so, you know, one of our stars, the, um, we always talk about caring communication, common vision and character. And I know that was probably ingrained in you in that week and it is with all the students, but um, that really um, covers communication really well. So you're a great communicator. So <laughs> thank you. Tell us about um so you said you wanted to go to um college out of state and you needed the additional scholarship money and that type of thing. So where did you want to go and what was your area of interest and did that ever change? Yeah, I um I think like I kind of cast a, a wide net in my initial applications and applied to like some different types of schools, obviously like some schools in state, some schools that were like state schools, but out of states. But I think like after applying and like visiting a couple of these places, the schools that really stood out to me were these sorts of like smaller, I mean, I wouldn't, but they're not the smallest colleges out there by any means, but like smaller private schools, um, like Tulane University um, in New Orleans, where I ended up going, but also like Rice University in Houston. So this was kind of my dream goal um, was to go to one of these schools. Um, and part of like going to private college is figuring out how to pay for it. Um, and one of the, it's kind of funny thinking back, um, a lot of like moments in my life have been these sorts of like, oh, like, I'm not sure that this is the place I want to go or that I would like you know, that I would even get accepted to like, you know, this college, this program, et cetera, et cetera. But like, it doesn't hurt to apply, right? Um, and so Tulane didn't have an application fee and they give out a lot of um, full tuition scholarships. So I was like, all right, like, I guess we'll just like apply and see what happens. Um, and so I got into Tulane and I also got a full tuition scholarship from them, which was awesome. Um, and so we went out for the visit weekend, and <laughs> my mom and I, and I just like remember like the first time I was on campus, you know, having that like warm, fuzzy moment of like, oh my gosh, this place is so like amazing. And like, maybe this is where I belong type of, you know, totally cliche uh -huh. college tour story. Um, and I remember like, we just spent a couple days in New Orleans, but after those couple days, I told my mom, I was like, okay, you can go home. Just like leave me here. Um, the other thing that stands out to me is like the people at Tulane, like the students I met, they all loved their school. Um, everyone I talked to, um, I have some like medical related dining restrictions and the dining staff were incredible and like willing to accommodate me. Everyone at Tulane was just like so willing to help each other out. Um, and that was a culture that I really appreciated during my time there. And then the last piece of the puzzle, which is kind of funny is I, started playing guitar in third grade, I want to say, um, because I was obsessed with the Jonas Brothers as, you know, a Disney elementary uh -huh. schooler at the time. Um, but guitar has been like a part of my life ever since this, um, ever since my parents got me a guitar for Christmas that year. And um, I got really into jazz guitar in high school. 
Um, and so part of what led me to New Orleans um, was this love for jazz and playing guitar and the ability to sort of major in these like very hardcore STEM things like math and computer science, but also like still play in the jazz groups at Tulane. And so I just thought that sort of flexibility was really cool. And there's no better place to play jazz than New Orleans. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, did you have to be accepted into the jazz group at Tulane or how did that work? Yeah, there is um, a little bit of an audition process, but I would say it's largely not super competitive. They're just trying to figure out like who plays together well with who and how they can best um, place students such that the students will be able to grow and learn from each other. So then the student jazz group played at different events and that type of thing throughout your time there. Yeah, we had a, a monthly um, Thursday night performance in the basement of our student union. So that was pretty fun. I got to invite my friends and they could come hear us all play and stuff. Oh, that's great. So I was asking you earlier about, um, was this the way that you kind of funded some of the things that you did in school? And, <laughs> and you said not necessarily, but you did have a tip jar. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I've played a lot of different types of music over the years. Pretty much always guitar. I, I played banjo for a couple months, but I try not to think about those. <laughs> um, so I, I played in this all-girl rock band when I was in middle school. You know, I've done these different jazz groups. Um, in particular, I did this like auditioned group of high school students playing jazz and got to go on some recording trips. And that was a really cool experience, too. But what Delise is talking about is also during high school, I played these sort of like one hour coffee shop type gigs um, where I would put out a tip jar. And on my tip jar, I always wrote, send me to college on it, you know. <laughs> um, and so I wouldn't say that that uh, necessarily paid for my room and board at university, uh, but college textbooks are quite expensive these days. Yeah. Um, and so it did fund a couple of college textbooks. <laughs> oh, that's great. And I think that's great because you shared on the tip jar what the money was for. Mm -hmm. um, and so people are probably much more willing to help a poor college student out than, um, <laughs> than if it's just fun money. So you were actually, yeah. <laughs> you know, trying to trying to do something positive. That's interesting because um, General Frank's friend who we interviewed last month on our podcast, Martin Edelman, was in a rock band for a long time. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. Um, tell us about what was your major in Tulane um, and what, what you did there, what your focus was, what you were wanting to accomplish and do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um, went into college knowing that I really liked math, uh, but that I wasn't so great in my high school science classes. Like I, I could do the book work just fine, right? But if you put me in a chemistry lab, like I was spilling things, like I wasn't measuring things like quite precise enough, you know, type of thing, um, which is kind of funny thinking back on like how my career path ended up, which we'll get to, I'm sure. Um, but so, yeah, I knew I liked math, um, wasn't so sure about like taking lab sciences. And so I was like, well, like you have to take a lot of these like science classes to be an engineer. So like I'll be a math major. And then my um, my parents actually. So one of them majored in math, the other majored in computer science in college. Um, they actually met in a calculus class, which is kind of funny because now they have two kids who are like math and computer science yeah. um, college students. Um, but anyway, so I was like, you know, I've never programmed before. 
But computer science is always something that's been interesting to me because, you know, my dad does it, right? And so I was like, I'll like take this computer science class. Um, And it ended up being my second major. Uh, So then I was a double major in math and computer science. And I thought like both when I was graduating high school and also this like pretty much whole first year of undergrad, I thought like, you know, what would be fantastic? Like, I'd love to go work for Google someday. Uh, They have like great perks to working there. The workplace environment is super fun. They're, you know, Google, it's like Mm -hmm. one of the tech giants. Um, And that's important because the summer after my freshman year of college, um, I was planning on like staying around campus, maybe doing like a business minor through the school. Um, I was approached by one of the math professors I had had um, who said, hey, Riley, would you like to come do some research with me this summer? Um, I know that you're a math major and that you know how to code. Um, I'm not sure how you feel about biology, uh, but would you want to work on this like computational biology research project? And I was like, oh, like that sounds good. Like, you know, getting paid to work on some like biology problems, you know, do some math, a little coding. Um, And that really changed the course of my undergraduate career and also my life. And when I told the professor, uh, when I graduated undergrad and told the professor he had changed my life, I think it kind of scared him a little bit. Um, <laughs> because after that summer, I was really bitten by the research bug and became really fascinated um, by the application of like my skills in math and computer science into problems in biology, trying to figure out like there are so many things that like even at the level of cells that we don't understand and how all these sorts of cells combine and work together to like make us walking, talking, breathing humans, I find to be like really miraculous. Um, And so sort of like through the rest of undergrad and also now in graduate school doing research, my motivation is just to like learn more about um, these fundamental scientific processes um, with also like the hopes, maybe not immediately, but maybe some time in the future, um, that these sorts of like things that I help contribute to, you know, in the knowledge base could be used um, to help improve medical treatments, particularly in like hard to solve diseases like cancer. That's really awesome. I I am so excited about what you're doing. And, and it is interesting to see um, something that happens that kind of changes the course of what you think you want to do. We should always be open mm-hmm. to um, new and interesting things. So you graduated at Tulane with math and computer science. And so now you're doing your graduate work. Um, you want to tell us um, kind of how you progress to that? Yeah. Um, so I'm at Stanford University uh, pursuing a PhD in computational and mathematical engineering. Um, and I do want to give a little bit of a plug here. Um, so me, like coming from a background where, yes, my parents like were both fortunate to go to college and get their bachelor's. Um, I do have an uncle who's a doctor um, type of thing. But I did not know, and I suspect that most people do not know, that when you're a PhD student, you actually get paid. Um, it is not the most glorious pay in the world, but it is certainly enough to live off of. So not only do I not have to take out like a bunch of loans and stuff or come up with the money for tuition, that's all covered, but I'm getting paid. 
And in exchange for this pay, you're doing like service to the university, right? So usually that's through the form of like teaching classes or like grading for a class or um, doing research. Uh, but the point being is that if you want to get a PhD, you can do it without um, putting yourself into more financial ruin. Um, and so sort of as soon as I like figured this out, right? Like I can get paid to learn. That sounds like the best job in the world, right? Right. <laughs> um, and it's really, really funny sometimes like going to classes or when you're really stressed working on homework and, you know, you're like, oh, I guess I'm getting paid to do this. Like, you know, that's not something that crosses my mind a lot. Um because, you know, I'm in it for the learning and the joy of discovering new knowledge. Um, but I am getting paid to be here, uh, yeah. which is nice because it so, frees me up to think about classes and research and cool problems. That's great information for our students that are considering what they're going to do and and probably some really great news. Um, and it's also good to know, you know, there's some accountability that goes mm-hmm. along with it as well, is that... Um, there's a purpose of why you're uh, being compensated for learning. So um, I think that's really interesting. Let's pause for just a moment to hear from one of our great sponsors. Hello, this is Jay Zacharias with the General Tommy Franks Leadership Institute and Museum. And I would like to tell you about one of our partner sponsors. His name is Justin Krieger, and he has worked as an independent insurance agent at Krieger Insurance Agency in his hometown of Hobart, Oklahoma, since 1999. Justin is honored to help with the annual Celebration of Freedom event and has been a board member for the General Tommy Franks Leadership Institute and Museum for many years. He is also a fifth-generation farmer and rancher in Kiowa County, where cattle, crops, and even insurance is sold with a handshake. Give him a call at 580-726-3076 or come by the office if you would like to speak with Justin Krieger or Kathy Lankford about insurance. We are thankful to our customers and friends who have supported us through the years. Again, Justin would like to say how honored he is to live in such a great country and how proud he is to help sponsor these podcasts. Please enjoy the rest of this podcast experience from your friends at Krieger Insurance Agency. Now let's get back to our episode. So tell us, um, I think this is so fun. What, um, what are you going to do? What are your plans after you, uh, your PhD? Yeah. Um, so the first year of the PhD, it's usually like a five ish year program. Um, your first year is really focused a lot on coursework and on passing what's called these like qualifying exams, um, which are in some ways pretty stressful because it's one of the big like milestones of your PhD. It's where you like show like the people in your department, like I've learned these things in these classes and I have the foundation to like build off of and go do research. Right. Um, so I kind of just got through all of that stuff. Um, which was certainly stressful. Um, But now I'm kind of excited and looking forward to like the second year of your PhD, at least in our program, is really focused on like figuring out what professors you want to work with and like what research problems you want to work on. So I'm sort of starting to transition away from classes and into research. And then the last couple years of your PhD, you're like not taking any classes, you're just doing research, Um, which also very excited for. 
Um, so with all that being said, um, at the end of this five-year journey, I can't say for sure uh, what I'll end up doing. You know, there are lots of different avenues. Um, but I am really excited about opportunities in research. Um, so whether I end up sort of like at a company or at um, some national lab or even like still in academia, possibly, um, I still want to be like doing research and I want to be on these sort of like interdisciplinary teams where there's like math people and computer science people and biology people. And, you know, sometimes those people overlap. Um, but talking to people with different backgrounds and skills and ways of approaching hard problems to sort of like all come together and hopefully come up with like these solutions um, that can have impact on like the way we treat disease, uh, for instance. <laughs> so being on the cutting edge and being like the first to know um, is the interest, what inspires you for research and development and um, possibly finding solutions for issues and problems is uh, that's your inspiration? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of hard to see sometimes because of the research that's being done, at least at the university level, like it's very cutting edge research. Um but there are sorts of like lots of things that have to fall in line before it would ever be used like as a treatment on a patient, for example. Um, and so it's kind of, you have to really have that like long term vision of like what I'm doing is important to the broader like field of like scientific knowledge. Like it's mm -hmm. not like what I'm doing today is going to solve cancer tomorrow. Like that's that's not what happens. It's like, you know, this like one particular tiny mechanism that happens in a cell that we learned about today could eventually like build and build and build and build um, to this pool of knowledge that then could be pulled from to improve treatments, um, which I think is like something I've really like had to think about and process a lot in my first year. Um, because at first I was very excited about like, oh, wow, they're like working on this cool problem or they're working on this cool problem. And, you know, but it's it's really like a long term horizon, um, which. <laughs> goes back a lot to like the uh, sorts of like common vision tenets of four star. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, it exactly does. And so it's not like an immediate solution, but um, it is, a, it is a vision for the future. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's really great. Thank you for making that association. Yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so after you finish this, um, Anything else that you want to share with us? Um, we talked about, you know, what you're doing there at Stanford. I also want to go back to um, communication when we talk about um, common vision is I mentioned that you established a, a LinkedIn for the four-star students. And so are you still in touch with some of the other students and, and um, what was your, what was your thinking when you established, you reached out to me and said, can I do this? I said, absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah, I, um, there are definitely still some alumni, um, from my year, uh, that I keep in touch with. Maybe not so much directly, but it always like warms my heart to see someone post, you know, an exciting life update. And then everyone, everyone from four stars in the comments, like, congratulations. This is so amazing. Like, I've always known you were awesome um, type of thing. So I think it's been really cool over the years. I mean, it was cool at Four Star to like hear about people's different backgrounds and interests, but it's really cool to look, you know, six years later and I'm sure even further in the future 
um, later and just see what people have done, like with their interests and their goals and their hard, hard work. Um, so that's been like really rewarding. Um, I think like the LinkedIn group hasn't quite taken off. And I think part of that is because like it takes a few years because when you're in high school, LinkedIn and like getting a job and stuff is not necessarily uh, the first thing on your mind. Um, but it's been steadily growing. And with that, my hope was sort of a lot of the opportunities I've had and like the things that I've found interesting are things that I used to not even know existed. Um, and so like part of the hope of the LinkedIn group is that you can kind of like look through and be like, oh, you know, I've always been interested in math, but like I've never been sure what you could do with a math degree, you know, um, type of thing. So hopefully like helping expose people to different like career paths and opportunities um, that they didn't necessarily know were possible. Right. And um, have you seen in the social media that you're engaged in students mentoring and helping and making a difference for each other? I mean, I know that they're supportive and and happy for each other's successes, but um, really mentoring. Yeah, yeah. I think that the students have definitely learned from each other. And I think the other cool thing about having this sort of like community spread across the U.S. and also across the globe is that I've seen um, posts from friends where they've like moved to a new town where like someone else from Four Star lives. And so then they like already like know someone there or they're on vacation there and they have someone to like go out to dinner with or to stay with. Um, so really like the wide reach of the four star network is, is pretty incredible. I think that's a great concept. Thank you for sharing that. Um, let me ask you if you were to go back to your 17 year old self, when you applied for four star, what would you tell that student? Um, and what would you tell them about the application process about applying and, um, and then about the future after four star how would they, what would you recommend how they would use what they learn at four star moving forward? But what would you start by telling us? What would you share or tell your 17 year old self? Yeah. Um, in terms of applications and applying for things, I've definitely uh, done my fair share of those, <laughs> uh, both, you know, yeah, in high school for scholarships and opportunities like four star, um, applying for colleges, applying for grad schools, applying for nationally competitive fellowships, um, for grad school. And I think one of the things that really clicked for me, um, in undergrad, and of course I owe this to the fantastic fellowship advising through the <laughs> honors program at Tulane is that like, really in like personal statements or when you're writing like why I want to go to four star um like the hardest part is looking back at the things you've done like these experiences you've had so like playing guitar or like playing soccer or um being involved in things like key club um for instance at the high school level and like all these things might seem kind of random to you like you started doing them because you were interested in them type of thing um, but when you really look back and when you talk to other people who know you well, like your family or like a high school counselor or a teacher that knows you well, they can really help you find this sort of like thread connecting all of them. Right. Um, so like maybe being a musician, like really taught me to be an active listener 
and to hear the different voices, you know, in the jazz bands, like hearing different perspectives in a group. Um, and maybe that's some a skill that I took, like from my jazz band experience into my leadership experience. And so like the hardest part of an application is looking back at all the things you've done and thinking really hard about like why you did them and how to connect them together. Um, so that's the advice I would give like on the actual application. I think the advice I would give to high schoolers and to people in general, um, no matter like what stage of life or your career is that, is that mentorship is incredibly important. Um, there are fantastic mentors that I had in high school um, that were always in my corner and advocated for me and helped like send me opportunities and like challenge me and ask me like, why, like you say you want to do that, but like you're kind of scared or you're not sure that like you'll make it, but like who's to say that you can't make it? Like, you know, who's to say that like when you apply, you're not going to be the one to get accepted. And I just think like having people in your life that challenge you in that way and support you and open your eyes to like these opportunities um, is just incredibly important. And I mean, like my parents were fantastic mentors to me. I've had teachers be fantastic mentors. I've had like community leaders and advisorship. Um, and I just really think that their presence in my life um, has really shaped the life path I'm on and helped me get the opportunities today. So thank you to all the mentors. If you're listening to this, you know who you are. <laughs> yes. And I think um, a lot of our speakers have mentioned it's important to have a mentor that, you know, someone that you can share your goals with that will help you along the way and maybe keep you accountable. How are you coming mm-hmm. with that? You know, to keep you on task. And then also, I think it's very important to mentor others. Can you can you share with that? Yeah, um, I think like throughout my life, I would say um, my sort of, I guess, approach to leadership and mentorship has taken on some different flavors. Um, So in particular, in high school and in college, I was very involved in like organized mentorship and leadership roles. Um, So, you know, being like the president of a club or like signing up to be an orientation leader in college um, and things like that. Um, but I think like as I've gotten older and as I've gotten a bit busier, I've really like uh, I still do some of those organized mentorship and leadership things, but I've really started to appreciate um, these more like spontaneous or informal like mentorship opportunities that have come up. Um, so in particular, something that I've been doing a lot of lately is having conversations with people who think they might want to go to grad school or people who know they want to go to grad school and have questions about like the application process or have questions about my experience in grad school. And I've just had like a really great time, like working with these people, um, sharing what I know, uh, you know, under with the asterisk saying like, this is one person's experience. Uh, but, you know, I struggled a lot during the grad school application process. So I feel like now that I have all this sort of knowledge um, and it's fresh on my brain, uh, that like whatever I can share with students to help them struggle less or stress less or just like, you know, sometimes you need someone to say like, you're awesome. Like you're a rock star, you know, you you should definitely apply for this. Um, and I just love like being being that person for people and also like helping to share in their successes. Right. You know, because when they make the post, that's like, oh, I'm going to this grad school. I'm, wow. Like. I can't believe how far you've come in a year, you know, type of thing. Like, it's really cool that I got to be a part of like 
even if it was just a small part of helping you achieve your goals. I think that's um, a really great lesson and um, a really great thing to share with other people is it's having a mentor is really important, but mentoring others is really important in giving back. And that's one of the things that um, you mentioned in the very beginning is that when you went home from four star, you realized how important it was to give back. And also, I just wanted to know one of the things that you mentioned we haven't ever discussed before is an application process, what to put on an application, especially the four-star application. Sometimes we've gotten kind of skimpy applications that really don't tell us much about the student. And um, you know that they're probably a really great um, student or they might not be applying, but really sharing all the things that you do, like the key club, like playing the guitar, like, you know, anything that you do, if you, I'm just throwing this out there. If you played the guitar in a nursing home and helped others, or if you, um, whatever you did in key club, what you did, Mm -hmm. if you worked um, at your church and, and did community service type things at your church, anything that you've done that has enhanced your life experience uh, is important to share um, in detail on your application process, not only four star, but as you mentioned, other applications that you've done, people want to know, you know, what, what are your experiences? What do you have to offer? And you never know something you list there might be something that really catches their attention that might not be a need that's listed on the application, but you know, they go, Oh, this would be really great because, Mm. you know, you just don't know. Yeah. And just to jump in there for a quick second, I probably should have finished this thought earlier. Um, is like, I think the, I'm going to say approximately three I'm counting before I've listed the things. So that's always kind of dangerous. Um, but the first thing you should do on your application is like connect those life experiences you have. The second thing you should do on your application is say why the thing you're applying for, like why it's something you're excited about. So like, you know, oh, I've had this like great opportunity to be involved in like my jazz group and in key club. And I'm really excited about four star, like, um, because I really like want to better my communication or I want to learn how to share a common vision with people. And then like the third thing that you should do is you should say like, okay, I have these experiences. Um, these are the things I'm excited about the program. And this is how I'm like going to take what I learned from the program to like, become a better leader in key club or become a better leader like in my church or like in my music group and stuff like that so it's really like you have to say like these are the things i've done this is why i want to do your thing and this is how your thing is going to help me do those things better and also like do better at achieving this goal um and i think that's sort of like the three application uh steps to success when writing like a personal statement or a statement of intent or stuff like that That is really some great information that I think everyone needs to hear, um, especially our students, um, either alumni uh, going forward, or if there's any students that maybe listen to our podcast and want to know what Four Star is about. Um, It's a great, um, the podcasts that we have are some, some really great people and that have a lot of life experience to share and and very rich, very, very rich life experiences. And 
I want to thank you, Riley, so much for sharing your time with us and sharing with our students. I think it's um, very valuable information and it's um, good to see you (laughs) and good to hear from you and know what you're doing now. We always love hearing from our students. And uh, of course I reached out to you and asked you because I knew you were doing some great things we wanted to share, <laughs> but um, it's all, we always want to hear from our four-star students, what they're doing and um, share with our other students and, and mentor or, or be mentored in any way that we can. So Thank you so much. We appreciate your time with us and and good luck on the PhD and and good (laughs) luck on your research. And I know that someday we'll hear that. Uh, I hope you'll call and tell us or reach out and tell us when uh, your group has come up with something that (laughs) has made a difference in the lives of all of us. So Uh, thank you so much and have a great afternoon. It's always so great um, to give back to a program that's given so much to me. So. Thank you, Riley. Thank you again to REI Oklahoma for making this podcast possible. For nearly 40 years, the board, staff, patrons, and supporters of the nonprofit economic development REI Oklahoma are committed to expanding Oklahoma's economic prosperity, earning the reputation of being one of the most comprehensive economic development organizations in the country. Business loans, training workshops, business consulting, and networking opportunities, as well as technical assistance and even commercial business space are made available to Oklahoma entrepreneurs and small businesses. For low and moderate income individuals and families, down payment and or closing cost assistance is offered. Learn more at reiok.org. This has been the Four Star Leadership Podcast. Now it's your turn, Four Star listeners. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and let us know what you thought of this episode. Be sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and tune in next month for our next episode that airs every last Friday each month. Go be great. The Labar family is a fourth-generation Oklahoma family. That may not sound like a long time, but our grandfathers were born here, within the Comanche Nation, before the land runs. We are the proudest sponsor of the Tommy Franks Four Star Leadership Podcast. We hope listeners will heed the words of these distinguished men and women who have served our country at the highest levels and across all walks of life.